name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady, Seat of All Wisdom, St. John, St. Therese, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Very good. Um, I love Mary. Uh, I'm glad to have you all here. Uh, This is a a big moment. Um, We're heading towards the consecration of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the parish, and Really, it's a big question on how can we bring about a renewal in our own personal lives and renewal in the parish life. How can we also celebrate with joy the 50 years of the parish construction, anyways, of this chapel? The parish has been around longer. The construction of this chapel. Really, it's a reflection on what is the best way to um, live of this moment and What I've carried in my heart for a long time now is the consecration of the Blessed Virgin Mary. My personal life, of course, um, when I was little, it was uh, through Mary that God touched my heart, through Our Lady of Medjugorje, that I first had really encountered God. And it was in feeling the embrace of Mary that I got the strength and I felt the first moments of my calling to the priesthood when I was 13. Um, When I was 19, after my quote-unquote conversion, which wasn't a conversion as such, it was more like a discovery, you know, discovering what is the truth, who is Jesus Christ. Um, uh, After that, it was quickly wanting to devote myself entirely to the Blessed Virgin Mary. I think it was a few months after that that I consecrated myself uh, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, maybe about four months. And it was in my home parish in San Jose, California, that I did it. Um, and I must have been about 19 and three months. And uh, I remember it very clearly. It was a big moment in my life. It was a pivotal point in my life. It was professed to be a renewal of your baptismal vows, And that it is. It is really a renewal of your baptismal vows. If Christ was born through Mary, we're asking to be born with him into his body through Mary. And at that time in my life, I I really realized that. It was a very fervent moment. I remember uh, my first discoveries of the real presence in the Eucharist. I remember... um, the great fervor we had even for the little crumbs uh, of Christ in the Eucharist. And it's really a touching moment. The, in that church, they weren't picking up the crumbs, and there were big crumbs that were falling quite a bit because of the kind of bread that was used. It was homemade bread. It was kind of crummy. And uh, the bread would fall over the ground, and uh, you would be able to find little pieces of the Eucharist that were about half the size of a pinky nail. So they were pretty consequential. I remember sneaking into the church um, after the Sunday Masses and picking up the little crumbs off the ground and consuming 
all over the ground. It was a very fervent time in my life and a uh, very beautiful, beautiful period. And it was funny because it was like Our Lady um, made it all very easy for me. She really did. I remember, too, uh, something that was very important for me was devotion to Our Lady as I went off to Steubenville. Um, I gave up my past life. Um, I had been smoking quite a bit at that time in my life, uh, chain smoking, uh, about a pack and a half a day. Um, and I had been smoking since I was about 14, 13, 14. And it really started when I was about 15, 16. Um, and uh, I remember praying. I, I kind of didn't care so much about that after my conversion because I said I need to get rid of all the bad, 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 bad out of my life first and we'll worry about that next. Um, and then I remember praying to Our Lady for about a year and waking up one day and feeling I had received a great grace from Our Lady and I never wanted a cigarette again. Uh, it was really a great grace in my life because I never had the, every other time I would have the shakes, you know, and I'd really have nick fits. Um, but that time I had nothing. And it became easy, actually, because there was a great meaning that was filling my heart and my life. I think she made it really easy because of love, you know, the love of God and the tenderness of a mother. And she played a huge role. If I chose the community of St. John for the place I really wanted to go, I think it was Mary that chose it for me first. It was our Lord that chose it for me first. And St. John really rung out because St. John was the disciple who received Mary as his mother at the foot of the cross. And that was always so important for me. I remember at the time period of my actual conversion, I was discovering the gospel of St. John and these points about how Jesus, at his dying moment, his last words of his life, were to give to his disciple, the beloved disciple, his mother. And seeing it already before I discovered our congregation as a meaning that he gives to all those who wish to be the beloved disciple, all those who wish to stay by Christ at the cross. That was a a really big moment to discover that it's rooted profoundly in Scripture, too. For Jesus himself wanted his disciple to receive Mary as his mother. And so important was it that, you know, Jesus, he could have made plans beforehand. You know, he's God, right? So it's not like he doesn't have foresight. He could have said, Mary, um, I'm going to want you to go over to this village and... Uh, live with these people, you know. But he didn't. He chose to say it from the cross. And he chose to make it one of his final words of his life because it has a much greater meaning than just, say, taking care of business kind of thing. It really meant that as a church, we were called to take on Mary as mother. And then... So many little things during that time period really touched me quite a bit. 
like uh, coming to understand that St. Louis Guignon de Montfort, he um, made a lot of prophecies. He, one of his prophecies, one of the more famous ones, is when he would say that his writings about the true devotion of Mary and the consecration of Blessed Virgin Mary uh, was already hated by the devil. And because it was so hated by the devil that his writings would disappear for a while and be hidden. And that after a while, when we're getting closer to the end of times, they would be rediscovered. And lo and behold, it happened. And he, his writings were lost and rediscovered in the 1800s. And in the, after the 1800s, they started to be celebrated to the point that, I mean, you get popes writing, one pope wrote 11 encyclicals on it, as you'll read. You'll read in the meditations during the retreat. Uh, so much so that St. John Paul II is going to take his entire motto for the entire papacy after the writings of St. Louis Guignon de Montfort. Such a great influence will he have. He also wrote about how um, the disciples, or the apostles rather, of the end times will have to be very Marian. For he foresaw a time in the church where the church will be going through immense difficulties. The founder of our congregation would often speak about how um, the church follows Christ and there is a time period where the church itself will be crucified. And remembering how the church, Jesus was crucified by the church, well, the Jewish community at the time, which it was the church, right? And how the church would be crucified from within. And if we want to be following the gospel, well, the disciple who remained faithful to Jesus, how did he remain faithful to Jesus? How did John remain faithful to Jesus? Through Mary. It was Mary that made it easy for John to stay faithful to the cross. It was Mary that made it um, a simple thing, a simple way. It was Mary's holiness that really took John underneath the wing, you know. And so it was discovering things like that that made me on fire. And I said, yeah, that's the direction I need to go. Because I definitely need to take the easy way. Because I know the hard way is going to be tough. <laughs> I need, definitely need to take the easy way. Um, I need the fast way, too. And hearing all of that, it struck me quite a bit. So I decided to follow. So when I speak about how um, important this one is for me, I, I mean it. It is. It's a, it's a big one. And if I was to hit any one note at the beginning of anything that I would want to do, it would be consecration of Blessed Virgin Mary. Plus two, it's something that's fundamental. We can't remember, we can't forget, rather, that when this was started, the consecration of Blessed Virgin Mary was started by St. Louis Grignon de Montfort as a way of renewing a parish. <laughs> Literally. It was started as a way of renewing the parish. And how do we do that? By renewing our baptismal vows to live entirely of Christ. 
And the best way to live of Christ is to live of Mary. Because Mary, all she wants to do is point us towards Jesus. In herself, she sees that everything she's received is from God. So her whole mission is to point us to him. Yeah. And so some of the things that are good to know, this is supposed to be introductory, some of the things that are good to know right off the bat is that um, it's a 33-day retreat for those that haven't done it. The form that I'm proposing is the form that's very popular and has been very popular for the last, I believe, about 10 years, maybe a little less. And it's a renewal of St. Louis Grignon de Montfort's version by Father Michael Gately. And it's the morning glory. And it's really going to give you a meditation each day. Say it's about 15 minutes of meditation each day where we can do what Mary did. See, Mary... Uh, she, scripture, it says actually twice that she kept all these things in her heart. That she meditated upon all these things in her heart. Well, it, it really is the thing that we're going to be doing. We'll have a passage that we'll read, a little prayer at the end of the passage, and meditate upon it throughout the day. And each day for 33 days, It's a little bit of a marathon, though. It's easy to do it for one week. It's easy to do it for two weeks. But often in the third week, we miss a day. We miss a day. It's very common. Um, And if we miss a day, we need to go back and read that day. You have to read them all. And in order, because they build upon each other. And it's true if you were to do the classic version... St. Louis Quinone de Montfort, if you prefer to do that, that's perfectly fine, actually. I love that version. Um, if you uh, were to do the classic version, you should go back and redo the days again. You know? Same thing with this one. Um, you should uh, redo those days. Now, it's just a brief reading, so it's not too heavy. But if you miss a whole week, that's where it gets heavy <laughs> to catch up. So try not to miss too much. Try not to miss too much in doing it. And leading up to the day of the consecration. The day of the consecration will be uh, a big moment. Uh, you may have heard me say it already, but it's good to state it again. I really want to make of it a communal act where we're all doing it together. Um, and there will be those who aren't making the consecration that day. They're just part of the parish, and everybody should come. Everybody should come. I mean, it's not just meant for those doing consecration. But those doing consecration have a special place. And, of course, I I think it's good that we pay attention a little bit to the little details. Like, for example, let's all try to dress in white. I think that'd be nice. Or blue, white and blue, or something like that. I think that'd be cute. I think it'd be really nice. If you have nothing in white, don't worry. You have a blue coat, so it'll work. Um, And so so that will work. I can't change my habit. I I can wear a blue coat. I can wear a white chasuble. Ha-ha. I can wear a white chasuble and a white alb, so I will be wearing white. Um, you don't have to be wearing blue. You don't have to be wearing white. But you have to wear white or blue, or both if you want. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it, you don't have to if that's an obstacle. It's not, a be, it's not supposed to be that that's going to stop you from... <laughs> of course not. But uh, that would be silly if that would make you even hesitate. That would be silly. But it would be nice, the little things. Also, maybe if we can bring flowers, if you forget to bring a flower, we'll probably have a bunch ready for people that come. And everybody can present a flower to Our Lady. And that day, too, um, it's good to have written the consecration prayer, which will be given to you in that little booklet thing that we'll be giving to you. It's good to write it out by hand and to sign it that day. That day. I won't have you go up to the altar and sign it in front of the bishop. There'll be too many people. Right now we have about 210, so there's no way I'm doing that. (laughs) But that would be fun. That'd be kind of scary, though. I think a lot of people might not do it if I did that. (laughs) But nevertheless, I I do think that it's good that you write it out on a piece of paper that you'll use. Megan, the other day, uh, when she was presenting at 10 o'clock, she said that she did it on the back of uh, an image that was given to her. But it doesn't have to be anything like that. I did it just on a simple piece of paper. Um, And you sign it that day. You've already written it out the day before, and you sign it that day. And so, in fact, it's pretty simple. The only thing that's a little bit is the fact that you have to do 33 days. That's the only thing that's a little bit special, or a little bit of an exercise, a little bit of a marathon. But it's not terrible. Now, I'm also going to do my best to do a children's version of this also, so I can propose it to the kids at the school. And I also have a few families that want it. And I think my sister's family will do it over in California. Uh, you know, those kind of things. Um, and uh, there I'll do little videos explaining it and making it very, very simple um, every day. And I'll put that up on the website. Um, and finally, for those that can, we're also proposing to come to these Thursday talks where we'll have all the brothers, well, as many as we can, and present a different part of the consecration of Blessed Virgin Mary. And it'd be nice because you'll hear the different brothers speak. So far, it's mostly been Father Sean, Mary, and I. But we'll get at least two of the other brothers we've convinced to do it so far. Um, and we'll get the two of the other brothers to speak too. So it'd be a nice experience to also hear the other brothers speak. Also, I mean, if you're not already going to daily Mass, um, daily Mass is a, is a wonderful way to deepen, if you like, but not necessary. I wouldn't want to make that a requirement because if you do, that might make you not do it. You know? Keep it very... The requirement is very simple. (laughs) And then for those that can and want, there is more available is what we want to do. Um, Saturday Mass, because Saturdays are particularly dedicated to Our Lady, will be a high moment. And there, we'll do our best to preach mostly on Mary. We'll have the litany to Mary, which is a little bit longer, um, at the end of Mass. All the daily Masses will change the prayer that we're saying at the end of Mass. The consecration prayer, we're going to take it out because we're saying the consecration prayer at the end. <laughs> so, so we'll do a build-up. We'll do a simple kind of, con- similar to a consecration prayer, we'll do a simple prayer of love to Our Lady. That's good for a four-year-old and great for an 80-year-old. It's a very simple prayer. I liked it a lot, actually. 
uh, it's someone that gave it to me. Um, and so we'll have the same one over at the school. We'll ask the school to say it too and do it as a community. That prayer also we'll hand out, so it'd be good to take it home and to say it every day if you don't make it to Mass. Also, too, um, on Saturdays, if we can, I would like to do something special in the hour of adoration before. We already, in, in the adoration time period between 11 and noon, we already say the rosary at that time every day, to my knowledge. Um, and so the rosary is already said every day. But maybe on Saturdays we could say the little office to Mary, the little office of the Immaculate Conception. Um, and we can say, do some extra or different prayers. We can change up the prayers a little bit on Saturday. That would be nice. Not this Saturday, but the next. Um, great. So it's all, in other words, too, if you want to do more, there's more available. There's more available. And you can go deeper. You can also read more. True devotion to Mary is always great to go back to. Great. Um, any question on that part before I go on and talk a little bit about Mary? Same as usual. The weekday Masses will continue as usual. They won't be longer. The little prayer at the end is only probably about three, four minutes. Oh, okay. Half an hour. Half an hour. So usually if we preach a lot, it'll go till about 40. 12.40. And I've been watching the clock. Um, and at least on the clock it says, uh, yeah, so if you're out of there by, by a quarter after, a quarter to, rather, you could. Yeah, 12.40 today. And so if you're out of there by 12.45, that would be normal. Um, you stay to pray a little bit more, maybe 12. <laughs> Light a candle to Our Lady. That's another thing, too, I wanted to propose the, is to come and light a candle, yeah. We'll have to buy more candles, I think, but yeah. <laughs> but that, that's a definite one to come and light a candle to Our Lady. And the, the simple, pious devotion to Our Lady can't be lost. If you think I have any more questions, go ahead and raise your hand. But, but I think how John stayed faithful at the cross was not by coming to a rational conclusion like, this is right. You know, I don't think it was like a mathematical thing for him. If he had, I don't think he would have had the strength. I think it was because he lovingly sensed the need to be faithful to Jesus. And he felt that being, by being next to Our Lady. He felt the need to be faithful to our Christ, to our Lord. And so... It was a matter of the heart and a heart-to-heart more than it was a matter of a rational conclusion. Although it didn't go against reason either. To be faithful to to Christ wouldn't have been, in some senses, it wouldn't have been. Good. Anything else on the practical side? So you'll receive Sunday. God willing, we receive. We're still, there's a box that's been in transition from the States of a hundred little booklets. And we have 50 already. And uh, those hundred little booklets have been in transition. We've been following it on the tracking for a long time. So still in transition. But it's landed in Auckland on Wednesday. So, so it's in the country now. 
There's already good news. But if not, I'll be doing a lot of photocopies on Saturday. <laughs> um, figure we've already paid for it, so. Yeah. Um, very good. Now, go ahead. you consecrate yourself to Our Lady, it exactly means you renew your baptismal vows and you're consecrating yourself to Jesus. And how are you consecrating yourself to Jesus? Through Mary. Why? Um, It's great, because it leads us directly into what I wanted to talk about. It's a wonderful question. Um, (laughs) um, So when we consecrate ourselves to Our Lady, actually it's all for Jesus through Mary would be the proper term. Would be the proper term. All to Jesus through Mary. Jesus came into this world. How? How how did he come into this world? He came into this world literally through Mary. And it's interesting because God is God. So he is almighty creating the universe. He does not need us. That's very important. There's no need that God does not need us in order to do what's right. He does not need in the absolute. He does not need us. But for some strange reason, he chose to uh, come into this world and be dependent upon a woman. As very, it's almost like it's an irony of sorts. The one who sustains the universe, who makes all things, who needs nothing because he already has everything chose to become dependent upon a woman. And it, was a, it wasn't just a woman. It's like there was Abraham before. You know, he was an excellent man. But he didn't choose to become incarnate in Abraham. He didn't choose to become incarnate in Moses, nor David, nor in St. Augustine after. It wasn't any of those that he chose to initially come and be incarnate in. But he chose to become incarnate in Mary. And, you know, already we see that, you know, God could just tell us everything right away, like inform us, like fill us like with a computer chip. We know everything now. But he's all, he didn't create us that way. He created us to help each other and to build each other up. It's not good that man should be alone. I shall make a helper fit for him. He made us to be interdependent one upon another. And when he chose to become man, he chose to come into the world through a woman. And, you know, St. Louis Guignon de Montfort has a lot of great quotes. I was just reading through them all. Um, And one of the quotes was that he, what he did, what Jesus did in the 30 years of his hidden life was far, more, far greater than if he had done all the miracles possible in the world. And the reason is because God became obedient to a woman. God became obedient to a human person. God became little and quiet for 30 years in serving his mother. 
So it wasn't just like he was born and he came out of the womb and now I'm independent either. So St. Louis Grignon de Montfort is going to emphasize the point that, I mean, God, he could show his majesty by doing all the miracles in the world. But he shows the immensity of his humility and love by becoming so little as to become dependent upon another. And not only did he do that through the 30 years, he did it unto the end. His mother also would be the one that will be standing next to him at the foot of the cross and will hold his body as it comes down from the cross. So he'll even give his mother in he'll give to his mother the care of his own body. And so, two, he gives to um, the entire church a mother. It'd be strange if a mother was mother only of the head and not of the body. It would be strange if the mother was only mother of a body and not of a head. It would be very bizarre if a mother was only mother of a part. It means her baby would be a monster, as St. Louis Guignon de Montfort says. Instead, God chose that Mary might be mother not just of the head of the church, but of the entire body, the mother of the church. And then he crowned her. And so, in consecrating ourselves to the Blessed Virgin Mary... We're really uh, consecrating ourselves to Christ and to be part of his body. To accept Mary as our mother is to accept to be one with Christ, to be one with him and all that he is. And it's to accept to really be one and not just figuratively. You know, when they declared Mary mother of God, they actually fought a lot over it. There, that time period, it was uh, 431, if my memory is correct, the Council of Ephesus. And during the Council of Ephesus, there were a lot of people saying that Jesus is not really God. And the bishops were in such great disagreement about it that they actually got into a fistfights during the council. The community of the church was so upset about it that they actually rioted all around the church and they forced them to come to a decision. They wouldn't let them out until they made a decision. And when they came out with, that deci- with the decision, finally they came out saying, yes, we have to say that Mary is mother of God because Jesus is God. And then, that's right, way to go. (laughs) And um, in in saying that Mary was the mother of God, it didn't happen through an easy way. It didn't happen like, like magic, like all of a sudden everybody just agreed on it. But once they decided, once they decided on it, that point that Mary being the mother of God has um, changed the entire way that we see Mary. We always loved her, but 
we always saw that she was absolutely vital. But when we did that, it was only at the level of the heart. It was in devotion. We, as far back as the Mass goes, as far back as Christian prayer goes, we have the love of Mary and the devotion to Mary. But from that day forward, we had something that the intelligence also could understand. In saying that she is the mother of God, and if she's the mother of God, anyone that's in God would be her child. Anyone that is in God would be hers. And the church started to be able to establish the understanding that it took in order to be able to respond. There's another big thing. Why do we consecrate ourselves to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Um, When the Holy Spirit saw the Blessed Virgin Mary, it wasn't like when he saw Abraham. When he saw Abraham, he came down and he filled Abraham with grace. He filled Abraham with the love of God. But it wasn't like that. With Mary, he saw his spouse. And he came down into Mary. And from the fruit of the union between the Holy Spirit and Mary, we have the child Jesus. And to this day, the Holy Spirit loves Mary. And wherever Mary is, the Holy Spirit goes. Wherever you find Mary, you'll find the Holy Spirit. I know that's my experience. I know that there's an incredible link, for example, between Mary and the charismatic renewal. I know my first experiences of the power of the Holy Spirit was in the presence of Mary was in the presence of Mary, was in when I felt the embrace of Our Lady, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit also burning within me. I also know very well that there's an incredible link between the Eucharist and Mary. For the, the Spirit, whenever the Spirit sees Mary, if the Spirit sees Mary in you, the Spirit will come very close to you and take you to his heart. But the Son, too, when the Son sees Mary, he sees his mother, in whom he he dwelt, in whom he dwelt for the nine months. And the Son, too, who loves his mother, comes to dwell inside of her. And to this day, he will come and live inside of you. And there's a link between the Eucharist and Mary. Is that wherever Mass is said, Mary is present. The link between the Eucharist and Mary. Jesus himself didn't even want to start his apostolic life if it was outside of obedience to Mary. You know, he spent those 30 years under obedience to Mary... And then when he even started doing all of his miracles, he did it under obedience to Mary. If you remember the wedding of Cana, it was Mary that said they have no wine. It was Mary that indicated they have no wine. And then Jesus responds, how can this be? 
for my hour has not yet come. Woman, what is this to do with you and me? For my hour has not yet come. He responds with those mysterious words, but he still does the miracle. He does what his mother had asked. It's interesting. Jesus himself does whatever the mother asks. And two, there's another thing that helped me a lot with the consecration of the Blessed Virgin Mary, is that when I started consecrating myself to the Blessed Virgin Mary, I started really learning how to pray. Because prayer is not a matter of just like doing things, uh, saying words. It's a matter of a heart-to-heart. A matter of a relationship with our, our Lord and Our Lady. And when I realize I'm consecrating myself to the Blessed Virgin Mary, you can only consecrate yourself to a person, really. It's really a setting myself aside for a person. So if I could do a consecration, it means I am related to a, a person in herself. So when I said, I love you and I offer you my whole life, it became for her and not just vain words I was saying. I knew I was giving my whole life to God. So, it's funny. A lot of times you hear people having trouble saying, with the idea of uh, giving your whole life to Mary because how is that possible? Aren't you supposed to give your whole life to God? And the funny thing is that in giving your whole life to Mary, you are giving your whole life to God. It's in, for example, in loving Mary that I'm, I'm showing God how much I love him because I'm loving his artwork. When a painter does a painting and you look at that painting, you say, how beautiful is it? Are you praising the painter or are you disdaining the painter? Should I look at the painter and say, how beautiful you are, painter? Or should I say, how beautiful is your painting? And if I love the painting, am I loving less the painter? No, I'm loving more the painter. When I'm loving the creatures that God made, am I loving less God or loving more God? I'm loving more God. If I'm loving the creature that God loved so, so much, well, then I'm loving God even more. Mother Teresa summarized it in a a famous moment where she came to a priest conference and there was about 5,000 priests, I believe it was in the States, um, and they were having a procession at the end. It was a Eucharistic procession. And they wanted to place Our Lady next to Our Lord at the same level. And half of the priests were saying, no, 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 you can't do it. And the other half were saying, yes, 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 we have to do it. Debating, debating, debating. And then Mother Teresa, she uh, heard about it. A guy, the MC of the conference whispered into her ear, could you do something about this? Because we can't decide on what to do, whether to put Mary in the procession or not. And then Mother Teresa, I don't know if you remember how she would talk and how she would walk, but she would always walk like little steps and always a little bit hunched over with her rosary. There's her rosary. And she would stand up and she spoke in the microphone and she said, so I hear you have a problem with Mary. Love Mary as Jesus loved Mary. And then she went on with her talk. And they had Mary in the procession. <laughs> and they had Mary in the procession. 
Um, good. So that's why we consecrate ourselves to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's because, to a certain extent, Jesus did. <laughs> and to a great extent, the Holy Spirit did, too. To a great extent, the Father did, too. They consecrated her. And God has given her to us to be our mother so that we might be united to him. Now, what does consecration mean? Consecration itself means to be set aside for, reserved for. I consecrate this bag to holding my microphone. Now, it's consecrated to something. It's consecrated, meaning set aside for a certain mission. I consecrate myself to, to Mary, means I consecrate myself to allow Mary to do whatever she wants with me. And what does that mean, and why would we do that? It's because whatever she wants is whatever God wants. She's in heaven now, so uh, there's no, no controversy in what she wants. I consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary, because Jesus wants us to go through Mary. He himself came through Mary. And he still comes to us through Mary. I set myself aside. I reserve myself entirely for God. Through the church. And through especially Our Lady. More questions? Does the consecration to Mary mean it's like giving our lives to Mary? Yeah, giving our lives to Jesus through Mary, mm-hmm. but which means to Mary. I mean, you have to remember it's people. It's not like you don't want to remain all abstract all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I give myself to God through Mary. I have to use that proper language. No, it's like, for example, if, if it was you, and I was giving my life to her with you, I mean, you're both there, you know? It's like Mary never leaves. She's always there. It wasn't like some, I've heard some Protestants say, Mary is like the banana peel. You eat the banana and you throw away the peel. And God doesn't work that way with anyone, let alone his mother, let alone his mother. He, he came into this world through his mother, with his mother, and he still does. She's still very present. Still present in everything we do. Um, so it's not like it's just a logical thing or a mathematical thing. We go through Mary to God. No. You could say, I consecrate myself to the Blessed Virgin Mary, because I do. She's a person. And what does that mean, to consecrate myself to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Well, if I consecrate myself to the Blessed Virgin Mary, I am consecrating myself to God, because everything Mary does is point towards God. You know? She never points towards herself. So I, I think it, we would say I consecrate myself to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Does it come with any commitments like daily prayer or yearly consecration? Or? Not formally. Not formally, but it's highly encouraged. How do you keep up a relationship if you don't keep up a relationship? So if you don't have... Um, if you don't uh, commit yourself to kind of living of it, then... How are you going to live of it? Now, the problem is if I specify, commit, you're now committed to saying a rosary every day, um, 
how is that going to work for you, you know, and, and you and you and you and you. The consecration of Blessed Virgin Mary is just supposed to be a consecration of Blessed Virgin Mary. And see, Mary now has the right to do what she wants on my life. So it's allowing myself to be a book upon which Mary writes. More than now I'm going to write on my book in the name of Mary. So there is a bit of that. Now, of course, I mean, it's great to do, for example, what Our Lady in Medjugorje would ask, which is confession regularly, uh, rosary as often as daily, um, and daily mass if possible. And, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are um, beautiful for the spiritual life, but I would never want this to be a, that to be a commitment. Commitment is no greater than what the church already gives you. Sunday Mass, um, yearly confession, all holy days of obligation. But I would come back to that point. If you, any relationship takes building up. If you treat a marriage, if you go into a marriage and saying, I'll only talk to you for a bit of a moment on a Sunday, <laughs> uh, you'll be hard-pressed to see if the marriage really survives and thrives. <laughs> and all the more for God who we do not see. All the more for the God who we do not see, and all the more for relationships. So obviously there needs to be a cultivation. But there is no more than that. Renewal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a renewal of it. I uh, know a lot of people do it yearly. I know of a lot of people who do it yearly. Um, the brothers, we say it every day at daily mass. We say it every day. So, it's not the same prayer as the, what we say at daily mass, but it is the same prayer in the sense of the same kind of meaning. The same kind of meaning. The prayer that we'll use is closer to the one that St. Louis Cunion de Montfort wrote. The one that uh, we use daily is um, one that the founder of our congregation of St. John wrote for families. It's for, it was a big retreat we had for families, and he wrote that one for, for families to make it together. Yeah. So we use it in the parish to do it as a parish family. Hmm. Great. No. no. I'm doing just a little prayer. I'm taking out a lot of those ones because I want to create a desire to go back to it. No. <laughs> and, and, and also to change it up a little bit to make this time period a little bit different. So when you go to daily Mass and you've been going regularly, you'll notice something different every time. You'll be reminded of the consecration. You're reminded of the consecration. And it's only a minor one. And it's a beautiful little prayer. And it's, uh, so it is also very nice. Um, but the consecration prayer itself will be given to you on Sunday. And if you may have it already, if you have one of the if packets that you bought on your own, uh, the 33 Days Morning Glory. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically one that says, I, Father Michael, Therese, Shearker, uh, dot, 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 dot. And, then, and you end by signing. Yeah, where you put in your name and, and all that. Great. I have a question. Just what is that painting behind you? What 
Perpetual, perpetual health. Our Lady of Perpetual Health. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're all very, uh, very fond of Our Lady. Great. That's all I had. I'm keeping it, uh, trying to keep it within time too. That's good. Now we'll have an hour of adoration and uh, all that. You're more than invited, but if you're, but this, you do whatever you want. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.